Well, hey, this is Joey Furjanic, lead pastor of The Block Church. I wanna thank you for joining us today. It's an honor to share this time together with you. We hope this message will touch, impact, and transform your life and help take us one step further on our journey to revive every block. Well, so honored you're with us. Want to introduce myself. My name is Joey. I'm the lead pastor right here at the Block Church. It is our mission to see every block revived. We like to say revive every block. And we're one church in multiple locations. And I just want to greet everyone watching online and also those at other physical locations. Just want you to know we love you. And I want you to know that God's Spirit is right there with you right now. Uh, and I just want you to know uh, how much I wish that I could be with you uh, and hug every single person. Uh, but I'm grateful for the mission that God has called us to, to revive every block and keep planting locations and keep calling us to greater depths in our city. And so I know God's Word is going to change your life today. You believe that? Amen. 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 Well, we're in a series called This Is Your Sign. And week five, uh, we're studying the book of 2 Corinthians, and we'll take that all the way to Easter. Uh, before I give you God's word, that's going to be so life-changing, uh, I want to show you a picture of my daughter, uh, who's also life-changing. This is Jovi, and, uh, and so she's wild. And uh, I don't know if you've ever been like so overwhelmed, you didn't know what to do, uh, but I was on an airplane with this precious little girl. And Jovi, uh, we were sitting, I, I, I'm in the aisle, and then Lauren, uh, so there's Jovi in the aisle, and then Lauren in the middle, and then Maverick. And so Jovi is screaming at the top of her lungs before we even take off. She says, I'm ready, I'm ready, I'm ready. That's what she keeps declaring. And I said, amen, sis, I'm glad you're ready. What are you ready for? She's like, I'm ready to fly. And, but she's saying it like too loud, you know. So then she's got this bag of goldfish, flavor blaster goldfish, the extra good kind. But like she is just slamming this goldfish, okay? It's also 10 a.m., okay? And so anyway, um, and, and so I'm like, hey, Laura, like we've got a very long flight back from Arizona. Like we got to pace ourselves here. She can't eat all the goldfish right now. And so anyway, we remove the goldfish from her grips and you would have thought, yeah, I don't know what you would have thought. Like, the screaming and the crying that ensued from the goldfish takeaway. So then, like, we're trying to calm her down. We're just starting to taxi, and she's asking for a granola bar. And so she gets the granola bar, takes one bite, and she chucks the granola bar down. So, of course, you know, your seatbelt's supposed to be fastened, and I'm, like, getting yelled at because I've got to go retrieve the golden, or excuse me, Granola bar, okay. <laughs> I'm like, my brain went to golden retrieval retreat. Anyway, she goes in and she wants another granola bar. And I'm like, no, we can't give her one. But she won't relent. And so then she gets the other go uh, granola bar. And she's sucking the chocolate off of the granola bar dry. And then chucks it. Yeah, it's like, and I'm like, I don't know what, I don't know what to do. This is going to be awful. This is a very long flight. And so, and then, I mean, we're up in the air, and she's just screaming bloody murder. We cannot satisfy her uh, at all. She won't wear her headphones. And so the only thing that she will do is she will watch her iPad, but with the volume loud, with no headphones, which is a major violation. So anyway, someone's like, yes, I hate when people do that. 
Pastor, I was so embarrassed because there was a, I just preached a, an event and there was a lady on the flight who was at the event. So of course she's going to be like, your message is invalid. You can't control your family. You know, like, you know, and so, and so I'm like, I'm like, I got to take Jovi for a walk, right? And so I'm walking Jovi up and down the aisles. Okay, mind you, she has bothered all of these people and she is just waving to these people as if smiling, as if nothing's wrong. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry for, but I'm just like so overwhelmed, like, like we lost today. There's no winning here. Have you ever been that way where, where you're just kind of like, man, I'm, I'm overwhelmed, I'm frustrated with life, with people, family, I'm disappointed, I'm sad, I don't know where to go, I feel like the attack of the enemy is overwhelming, have you been there before? And I think we really have two choices when we get to that place. We either cower back and quit, or we fight back. We fight back. And not everything that happens, not every problem is the enemy. Sometimes it's just life. But the enemy will perpetuate problems to try to cripple you and overwhelm you. But Paul gives us a formula in 2 Corinthians as to how to fight back, and that's what I want to teach you today. So the title of my message is, This is Your Sign to Fight Back. Anybody ready to fight back today at any one of our locations? Just get your fist ready, throw a jab at whoever you're mad at. Here we go. So, as I told you through this series, we're jumping around. We're doing all Second Corinthians, but we're not fully following in order. I'm going to give you a little chapter 11 and mostly chapter 10 today. I want to start in chapter 11 to set us up to teach through a key section in chapter 10. Now, we know this, Paul is frustrated with the Corinthians. They say his letter is harsh, but he's timid in person. And Paul's basically like, hey, I'd rather give you a harsh letter than have to be heavy in person. Okay, so 2 Corinthians chapter 11, we'll do 5 and 6 and then 12 through 15. Paul writes, but I don't consider myself inferior in any way to these super apostles who teach such things. I may be unskilled as a speaker, but I'm not lacking in knowledge. I want to stop there. Look at me for a second. I just want to encourage you with this for a minute. Here's Paul, who is just this incredible uh, human of revelation and anointing and writes so much of the New Testament, making this honest confession, all right, maybe I'm not a skilled speaker, but I'm full of knowledge. I've got revelation. I'm anointed. I just want to encourage you today, you know, you know what, sometimes skill is overrated. What we really need is to be anointed and full of the Holy Spirit, and God can use that, amen? amen. Anyway, he goes, we've made this clear to you in every possible way, but I will continue doing what I have always done. This will undercut those who are looking for an opportunity to boast that their work is just like ours. These people are false apostles. They are deceitful workers who disguise themselves as apostles of Christ. I am not surprised. Ready for this? Even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. So it is no wonder that his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. In the end, they will get the punishment their wicked deeds deserve. So what Paul is doing here is he's beginning to make 
a case for himself, but he's also encouraging these people because he's concerned that they will fall into the traps of those who might be skilled teachers but lack the power of God and the anointing. They might be people who tickle your ears but are masquerading like the enemy as angels of lights. So I just want to help you guard yourself from tickly ears and make sure you understand, friends, that not everything that you watch on TikTok and Instagram, not every preacher, not every person who has influence or a platform is actually faithful to God. And so I want to always encourage you to not only know the word and hide it in your heart, but I want to encourage you, friends, to test those who communicate and deposit the word into you. Even me. Please, always open your Bible. Always make sure that what I'm delivering you is from the Word of God, not just so that I can get you to do something. Okay, now, there's a difference between uh, maybe what we would call heresy and honest mistakes. Uh, There are going to be some folks who preach in this pulpit, me included, who maybe will make some honest mistakes in our interpretation or delivery. Uh, Please forgive us. We'll make that right if if that's the case. But, But there's a difference in someone who has heresy, ongoing sinful direction, who are abusing the word of God, and who are sinful and drawing you away from Jesus. And so you, you want to make sure always, uh, and draw the line between that, that's an honest mistake versus, hey, this is heretical. Yeah. And our goal in this house is to give you the, the unapologetic word of God. Anyway, he goes on to defend his position because these other apostles, these super apostles, are boasting about their accomplishments. In verses 24 through 27, Paul begins to describe himself as being beaten and almost killed and shipwrecked and being robbed and all the journeys he's on, land and sea and fake believers and not eating and working hard and sleepless nights. And then he finishes with this in verse 28. I love this. And he says, besides all this, I have the daily burden of my concern for all the churches. And basically, he's saying this because if you claim, because many people do this, they give themselves titles of apostle or bishop or whatever. But like, he's like, hey, you're not a real apostle if you don't start works and don't care for the works that have been started. And and like, for us here, like I, I literally feel this way, verse 28, about our locations and about what we do here. There's not one location that we love or want or desire more. Like I, I literally, we agonize over every single location that has services and that's built. We care deeply about every person and that the best people are at these locations, our location pastors and our worship. Do you understand? Like, like I, We pray deeply that every location would have the fullness of what God God has called them to. Also, just a caveat here, and I'm, going, I'm giving you a little context. I'm setting you up for how to fight back. But, but I just want to say this. You don't always have to defend yourself and list all of your accomplishments, okay? Because some of us are really good at that. We're excellent at like sub-posting too, like not naming someone, but listing all of our accomplishments someone and now you can just at everyone so there you go 
But what I think in Paul's defense here, he's really trying to make sure his credibility is laid out, and he's making sure that these people don't get wishy-washy and listen to people who don't have the substance and don't care about them. And so he's laying out this case because he's basically, he's overwhelmed with his love for them, and and he's, he's concerned about their lack of belief in him, that they would just believe some gospel that wasn't the truth. And so he's very concerned, and, 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 and he's, he's, he's listing out his, his accomplishments and his defense to make sure these people understand that Paul is the real deal. But the application question for us that we have to ask today is what do you do when you are overwhelmed when you are frustrated, when you're freaked out, when you feel like the enemy's attack is too much, when you are sad, when you are broken, when you are mourning, when you don't know what to do, what do you do? And what happens to all of us is we are faced then with a choice. Because staying still does nothing. I'm not saying that moments of stillness and pause aren't important, but, but, but those are momentary. Some people make decisions to stay still. And if you make a decision to do nothing, you're actually making a decision. And so you either, at the end of the day, when you are faced with circumstances, you either cower back and quit, and you, you buckle under the pressure, or you fight back. You take up arms, and you go be victorious in Jesus. I want to help you be victorious in Jesus. And I'm thankful that we have the Word of God. We have the Word of God that, that, that gives us some formulas to fight back. That's exactly what Paul's going to do. So we're going to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. I'm actually going to read the message version first. I never do this, but I just love how it's laid out. And if you hear nothing today and you read this, you'll be fired up. Here we go. The world is unprincipled. It's dog-eat-dog out there. The world doesn't fight fair. But we don't live or fight our battles that way. Never have, never will. The tools of our trade aren't for marketing or manipulation, but they are for demolishing that entire massively corrupt culture. We use our powerful God tools for something warped, for smashing warped philosophies, tearing down barriers erected against the truth of God, feeding every loose thought and emotion and impulse into the structure of a life shaped by Christ. Our tools are ready at hand for clearing the ground of every obstruction and building lives of obedience into maturity. Isn't that so good? So I want to take that and I want to break it down. I'll give you the NLT version. Basically what Paul's saying in verse 3, we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. See, our culture wages war from their feelings, emotions, personal experiences, and optics. But believers wage war in the spirit, with truth, and by faith. And so if you want to fight back, here's what you must do. I'm going to give you a few statements. Firstly, we don't have to believe everything we think or feel. Amen. I'm going to say that again so you can say amen. <laughs> I, I think other locations did. But we'll just do it again. 
you fight back. I think the first way you fight back, based on the fact that we don't wage war as the world does, is we don't have to believe everything we think or feel. There you go. Amen. See, just because you get a thought or a feeling, it doesn't mean it's correct. This is the reason why we have so many fallen Christians or even leaders is because all sin begins with a lie. The Bible says Satan is the father of lies. John 8, 44, second part of it. When Satan lies, it is consistent with his character for he is a liar and the father of all lies. So how do you know that your mind or your feelings could be wrong or more importantly, how do you know you might be in a season where you are more susceptible to the father of lies? Because the enemy always takes advantage of when we might be weak. So when could we be susceptible? Well, when we are in trouble, when we're angry, when we're afraid, when we're confused or disoriented, when we're in sin, when we're hurting or grieving when we are bitter or lack forgiveness, when we are full of lust or even in a new romantic relationship, when we're disappointed, when our expectations are unrealistic, when we are full of pride. And some of these things are not inherently sinful, but when we are experiencing some of these emotions, practices, activities, we then can be susceptible. Is it wrong to be in a fresh, newly romantic Christian relationship? No. But sometimes when you are in puppy love, your brain ain't working fully. And so we become susceptible, so we must be on guard and not always believe everything we think or feel. You know the optic nerve? It's the only nerve that goes directly to your brain. It actually sends more impulses from your brain forward than from your eye backward. Which means that your brain is telling you what you see. You are already preconditioned to see what you want to, what you told yourself, what others told you, or what you've experienced. And so we are naturally preconditioned because it goes from here to here, not always from here to here, to just believe lies. One of the biggest reasons why we shouldn't believe everything we think is that we see what we want to see. And in our depravity, we have an amazing ability to lie to ourselves. Isn't that the truth? So, how do we combat that? Well, our mind must be renewed daily. Yeah. Every day, I'm renewing my mind. I'm washing it with the blood of Jesus. I'm, I'm washing it with the Word. Yes. I'm memorizing Scripture. Yes. So because when I'm in trouble, I, I know Scripture's coming forward. Yes. When I'm under pressure, Scripture's coming. Because if I hide it in my heart, it's going to come to my mind and my mouth at just the right time. That's how you renew your mind. And there's a plan for everything. There's a study for everything. You got trouble in your marriage, there's a plan, there's a study, there's a journal, there's a... 
You got trouble with your finances. There's a plan. There's a study. There's a journal. There's a diva. You're single. There's a plan. There's a study. There's a journal. There's a... You know, you, you don't have any friends. There's probably a plan. There's a study. And you go on and on. Like, you're not for lack of resources. You might be for lack of motivation. You gotta remove you renew your mind daily, you gotta read scripture daily. And, and I want to also encourage you when you're struggling and when you're in a fight, please sleep on your responses for 24 hours. Don't sleep for 24 hours, just sleep on it. Like, like for instance, like you can write that email, just don't put it anybody in the in the in the where it's going, the subject. Because if you do, you will accidentally send it. Or unpurposely send it and regret it later. Also, you should never make decisions on really high highs or really low lows. You don't want to make decisions like that. Like, oh, it's going so good. Great, I'm going to make a decision. Or, oh, it's going so bad. No, find yourself somewhere in the middle. That's where you make calculated, spirit-led decisions. Romans 12, 2, one of my favorite verses. I named my son Maverick after this verse. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of this world. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. So unless we have biblical insight and outlook, our thoughts will be guided by feelings over faith. What we want to do is we want to turn that on its head and we want to make decisions based on faith over feelings and fear. Verse 4. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. So not only do we have to manage and not always believe what we think and feel, but we also have to defend what goes in. We have to defend what goes to our eyes. We have to defend what goes in our ears. We have to defend what goes in our mouth or our body. Defend. The Apostle Paul says here that our job in this battle is to destroy strongholds. You know what a stronghold is? It's a mental block. Paul is talking about pretensions or claims made. And the enemy is the prince of making wrong, lying claims. That you're no good and you won't make it and you'll only stay in sin and you're not a new creation and that you're this or you're that. The enemy is, is an expert on making claims and half-truths. So these are arguments set up against the knowledge of God. This is a mental battle. You're fighting a mental battle. And he says, Paul says, destroy these strongholds. So here's what a stronghold could be. I really want to help you. A stronghold could be a worldview, such as materialism, or hedonism, or Darwinism, or secularism, or relativism, or communism, or Marxism, or agnosticism, or atheism, or all these different isms are mental strongholds that people set up against the knowledge of God. And they are in direct contradiction to the kingdom of God and the kingdom principles. And some of us have bought into these worldviews, and there's a reason why you've been limited. Because you've been trying to use half-kingdom and half-worldview, 
and it don't mix. There's a reason that some of your businesses and your entrepreneurship and some of your goals and financial goals and some of your, your ideals and hopes and dreams and family plan, they're limited because you've bought into a worldview and you've put a worldview first and tried to fit God in your worldview and it doesn't. Another form of stronghold could also be a personal attitude. Worry can be a stronghold. Seeking the approval of other people can be a stronghold. Anything that you make an idol in your life can be a stronghold. Fear and guilt and resentment and insecurity and, and anger. and You go down the list, all of these things can be strongholds in your mind. And the Bible says we are called to tear them down. Tear them down. And guess what? believer. Not only are you called to tear them down, but in the name of Jesus, you are given authority and people to help you tear these things down. Amen. Amen. There's one person that gave me a witness today. (laughs) At this location. I trust that other locations and location pastors are clapping that louder. Okay. Here we go. Let me just say that again in all seriousness. A little, little bit of a joke. But in all seriousness, you don't look at me. You don't have to fear the fact that you, you sense and feel there's some strongholds in your life. There's some things that have gone on. There's some barriers in your life. And you feel like, man, I cannot be victorious here. That is a lie from the father of lies that you can be free These things can be torn down. And while they may take time, energy, resources, and other people to support you, it is possible in Jesus' name. But proof that we are facing a myriad of of strongholds and, and where it comes from and why we have to guard what goes in is because the average American consumes five times the information that their counterpart did 50 years ago. We spend probably 12 or more hours a day on screens. And it's why 18 to 25-year-olds have the highest prevalence of depressive episodes among U.S. adults. It's why there's over 16 million adults who suffer from depression, and that's only adults. It's why every 40 seconds a suicide is committed. Causes of depression, repressed anger, unforgiveness, negative thinking, insufficient rest, physical issues, chemical imbalances, grief, self-pity, unrealistic expectations, bad reactions to drug and alcohol use. And you can kind of go down the gamut of things, but here's what I'm saying. You did not choose the body or the mind or the time period that you live in. You didn't choose that. God strategically actually placed you right here, right now. However, you can combat these negatives by managing what you see, what you hear, and what you let in. Because this stuff permeates into our bloodstream and to our soul. So here's some questions you should ask. Holy Spirit, should I watch this? Holy Spirit, are are you comfortable with me watching this right now? There's been things that I've watched and I've, I've, I, it, it seemed like a, a basic show, but I just really sensed the Holy Spirit going, 
I'm not comfortable with this. Holy Spirit, are you comfortable with me listening to this? Is this music, is it adding, taking me back? Is it bringing about feelings that might lead me to make decisions that I shouldn't make? Holy Spirit, are you comfortable with me being here? And by here, I don't mean the block church. I already asked. He's good with you being here. But some of the places our feet takes us, are you, Holy Spirit, are you good with this? Matthew 6, 22. Your eye is like a lamp that provides light for your body. When your eye is healthy, your whole body is filled with light. But when your eye is unhealthy, your whole body is filled with darkness. And if you, and if the light you think you have is actually darkness, how deep that darkness is. When Jesus speaks of eyes and light, he means all people should keep their eyes on God because the eyes are the window to the soul. Eyes should not focus on trash, porn, filth, or obsess over expensive things. Expensive things aren't inherently wrong. Some of you have earned it in your work ethic. But when that becomes an obsessive pursuit, it becomes worship and it messes with us. So here's some quick tips to help you guard what goes in. First thing you should do in the morning is read the news. The good news, that is. <laughs> so proud of my dad joke. Regularly take breaks from social media. Don't count likes if that messes with you. Go outside and take walks when you're watching too much media. Listen to more worship music and Christian podcasts and sermons. If you're overwhelmed by the news and the stuff that you're consuming, pray on it and pray over it and pray through it. Put guardrails on your phone and your computer to avoid traps. All right. I'm closing soon. Two more quick things. Give you verse 5. The first part of it says we destroy every proud. Somebody say proud. Proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. So if you want to fight back, you have to kill pride in your life first. Pride has stolen, friends, listen to me. Pride has stolen more from humanity than any sickness, politician, war, thief. Pride will steal from you and from your peace. And Paul goes on to say about these apostles, 2 Corinthians 11, these super apostles, and scriptures say, if you want to boast, boast only, somebody say only, only in the Lord. When people commend themselves, it doesn't count for much. The important thing is for the Lord to commend them. So I just want to say this in regards to pride, and, and, and then we'll move to, to our close. I, I will land the plane here shortly. If you have an issue, listen to me, listen to me. If you have an issue owning stuff, if you have an issue apologizing, if you have an issue going, you know what? I was wrong about this. If you have an issue, not only is that a stronghold, but that area of pride is so great that it will keep you from breaking down those strongholds. Pride comes before the fall, and God detests the proud. But what does he do? He offers grace power of God, mercy. He offers it to the humble. 
So even if your sin is great and your trouble is wide and your situation is insane, when you respond in humility, grace is offered. I just want to encourage you. You want to break strongholds in your life? It's got to start with pride being smashed. All right. Let's take this home so we can watch uh, replays of Old Eagle Super Bowls today. Okay, that's what I'm doing today. Okay. Second Chronicles 5. Let, 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 let's finish. We capture, we, here we go. This is really important. We capture their rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. Note the word teach. Like, I'm, I'm teaching my son how to read. I was hoping his school would it end up falling on me okay so but teaching is I'm going to pay myself tuition teaching teaching is not something that you just do and somebody gets it teaching is a let's do this again it's a practice and so when we are teaching these thoughts to obey Christ like they might come up again or they might teach come on you got to keep teaching got to keep training that's why Paul says I beat my body into submission like I'm, I'm totally I'm totally a, a, a sumo my whole body is a slave to Christ and that's what I'm doing so that I would not be disqualified so how do you fight back you got to talk to the talker who's the talker first Peter 5 8 stay alert Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. So, when I see take every thought captive to Christ, there's a couple Greek words that help us. I won't get into it too much, but they mean to control, to conquer, and to bring into submission. We make it obedient. That means to bring into submission, to bring under control. And so, when you're thinking the wrong way, but your knower, your feelings, your spirit, your word is like, hey, that's wrong thinking, you've got to teach your thoughts and put those thoughts into submission so you can be victorious. When you're thinking the right way, but your feelings and emotions are telling you something different, when you're... Never mind. I had a thought. A bad song came into my head. I was going to sing it, but I don't have time for all that. When when your emotions and feelings are telling you something different than what your thoughts are, and your thoughts are aligned, you also have to take those emotions and those feelings into submission. Are are you following me? It It is a tension that you will manage in some seasons. You will walk in great victory. And some things you will graduate from. And the higher you go, you might face some different battles. So that's why I'm constantly playing this game and waging war against the enemy. That I refuse for the enemy to win in my life. And God has given us, he has given us tools to cast down the enemy. You can take authority in Jesus' name. Every believer is given the authority to take authority in Jesus' name. Every believer can rebuke the devil. Just like 
just like Jesus said to get behind him, Satan, because he was acting like the devil, you can also rebuke the devil, get behind me, get out of my way, get out of my life, get out of my situation. You can be, listen, you can command darkness to leave. You're laying in your bed at night, overwhelmed with anxiety. You must talk back to the talker. I am a child of God. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but he's given me a love and joy, peace. So I'm a, you, you can speak that. You can tell darkness to go until it's gone. You can refuse to accept lies and you can cast down demonic strongholds. And that's what we're going to do for the next two minutes. I want everybody to stand and nobody moving prayer team or greeters or anybody. Just, just give me a minute because I want to speak to some lies. I want to speak to some lies and then I want to cast down those lies and I want to renounce those lies. I want, I want to tell those lies to be gone because some of you actually believe that you'll never get out of debt. That's a lie in Jesus' name. Some of you believe that you can never have a pure life where you live sinless in regards to sex and your sexuality. That's a lie in Jesus' name. Some of you actually believe that God's never going to do a healing work in your life. It's a lie in Jesus' name. Some of you believe all kinds of crazy things that because your parents were a certain way, you're most certainly going to end up in divorce. And that's a lie in Jesus' name. I don't know what it is for you, but I want you to close your eyes. And I'd love for you to just hold your hands out right now. And I'd love for you to just begin to think about some lies that the enemy has tried to play you with. And right now, in Jesus' name, we cast down every demonic stronghold that sets itself up against the believer. And today, right now, we take authority and we declare that depression doesn't have to stay. Anxiety or fear do not have to live here. Anger and violence don't have to stay. Fear of tomorrow does not have to stay. I thank you in Jesus' name that marriages will thrive in this house. I thank you for purity to rule in this house. I thank you for clear minds. I thank you for financial breakthrough. I thank you, God, that you are pouring over believers right now in Jesus' name. And every lie of the enemy that sets itself up to tear down believers is being broken right now in Jesus' name. You are not seeing mourning. You are not seeing darkness. You are not seeing fear. You are not seeing death. You are not seeing losing. Winning is on the way because Jesus is your God. He's risen from the dead and the same power that conquered the grave lives in you. That's what we believe for today and that's what you want to take home and declare in Jesus' name. Now look at me for a second. Name a location. Some of you need to go to the prayer table after service. Some of you need to follow this up with like being in a block group. Some of you need to contact the leader. Some of you need to walk this out and teach these things to obey Christ. Okay, might be a journey, might be a process, but if God is for you, who can be against you? Amen. Can we give God a praise today? Thanks so much for joining us today. I especially want to thank those of you who give generously to help us revive every block. If you enjoyed this message, you can subscribe, share it with your friends, screenshot it, and post your social stories and tag us at The Block Church. We'd love to hear from you and how you found this encouraging and inspiring. Thanks again, and God bless you.